You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host. Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. The doom and gloom to start here. Strasburg's career is over. According to the Washington Post, we and a lot of other people have confirmed it, that he's going to announce his retirement officially in September at the ballpark. He's made that decision. So that's number one. Number two, we got to talk Stone Garrett. And this was just so sad, man. Devastating. The scene at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday night was stomach-turning and gut-wrenching and tear-inducing. Stone Garrett, you guys know this by now, but if you're grabbing the pod to kind of catch up on recent action and don't know, uh, he was giving chase, hustling his butt off for a likely home run that was pretty clearly going to go over the wall. He jumped up to try to make a play. Uh, His cleat gets stuck in the right field wall at Yankee Stadium. And in a pretty freak thing, he goes to the ground in very obvious pain to the point where I think it was DJ LeMahieu who hit it like before he even rounded the bases, kind of stopped and had his hands on his head. Like, what's going on out there? He could hear Stone Garrett, I think, yelling from where he was at third base. Uh, Stone Garrett ends up fracturing a bone in his leg. Uh, He's out for the remainder of the year. But the scene itself was just tragic, you know, in a sports sense. It's the worst of kind of sports, right, is is. Seeing this guy who's been a great story all year laying there on the warning track, all of his teammates gathered around in shock and and they're all looking like they're on the verge of tears. And then as he was driven off on a cart on a stretcher, uh, so he'd be stabilized. No, he was sobbing and you could just see whether it's the pain or the fact that for 20 plus years, he's dreamed of this opportunity that he's finally getting after having been out of baseball and been a real estate agent. And not only is he getting it, but making the most of, of it, second highest OPS on the team, has turned himself into an everyday player on one of the hottest teams in the sport, one of the great stories of the season. You know, all that's being taken away from him. And now he's got a really, really long road of, of recovery ahead of him. It was just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how you got through it, but for me, it was it was emotional to watch. Yeah, it was devastating just to see him laying there. And I think you think of obviously Stone Garrett, the player and the opportunity that he's getting. And now it's all gone. And hopefully he gets another opportunity to show because he was showing that he could be a really good baseball player. It wasn't just something that he could maybe earn a spot somewhere. It was something that he could legitimately play. And he was going to get the full opportunity over the last month and a half of the season to continue showing that. And hopefully he gets that chance again because he did show for the you know brief period that he got to be an everyday player that he can hit righties and lefties. So hopefully he gets that. And it was just so sad to see. And then I think you add on top of that, the guy that it is, Grant's like 
just how strong and big and just Stone Garrett. You know, I mean, if you've seen pictures or you know who Stone Garrett is, you know what I'm talking about. The guy is man in baseball. He's like Superman like that. And then that's the guy that is laying on the fields and is down with an injury. It's just, it's so hard to see those kind of guys go down because you know, they can overcome literally anything except for when something like that happens. And so it, it was tough to watch. And then when he got put on the cart and then started crying because of just all the emotion going through him, it almost made me tear up just because you, you root for these guys, you know, whether it's going to be a nationals player or not going forward with stone Garrett, that doesn't ultimately matter. You just like the guy and the fact that he's getting an opportunity to live out a dream as a major league player and playing every single day and thinking, I don't know if I'm going to get that opportunity again. You just feel so bad for him. And I hope that ultimately he comes back healthy and can prove that he's a, a good player for someone, even if it's not the nationals, because you hate the way that it ended at least this season ended for him. You just hope that everything works out fine and, you know, it's a broken fibula. So hopefully it's nothing too, too bad and they can repair that thing and there's no ligament damage or anything in there and he can get back and be ready by spring training and hopefully prove himself once again. But again, it's just, it's such a sad situation to see. Yeah. I think really to me twofold as to why it was just so darn, uh, you know, painful. Number one, to your point, is like his entire career has built up to finally getting this shot. I mean, it's so hard to get to the big leagues for these guys who are not great prospects or, you know, who, who aren't uh, 60 grade tool guys across the, the board. Right. And then you, you, you work your bleep off and you get to the show. It's so hard to stay. Mm-hmm. And he finally has. I mean, he was in the majors for 20 five games last year off and on, but this year now he's become an everyday player and he's 27 and he's getting the shot for the first time finally. And it's even harder to play. Well, I mean, his minor league career started in rookie ball in 2014, nine years ago. Like think about that path, man. 2014 stone Garrett goes, all right, hopefully I'm going to be in the show in a few years. And it's been nine years later that he's finally an everyday player. And he's getting a chance only because the team's terrible or was supposed to be. The Nats actually aren't. But that's why they, they rolled the dice on him. And, and it, because right now they're short on outfielders because all their prospects in the outfield are in double A and you know, on their way. But now he, he, he says, I told you so. You know, I made the most of it. This is such a great success story. And that happens. Brutal. And on top of that, as you mentioned, he is one of the most popular guys in the clubhouse. We had Mackenzie Gore on our show uh, in D.C., Grant and Danny, last week. We played the interview on the pod. Um, go back if you want to listen to it. But we asked him, like, who's your best buddy on the team? He's like, oh, I love Stone Garrett. He's the guy I go out with. Like, we, we hit bars. We, you know, we have a lot of fun on the road kind of thing. You saw the interview with Mackenzie Gore, as you mentioned, in the clubhouse after the game where he was crying. And reporters just kind of had to leave his stall and leave him alone because he was so sad. Um, I think a lot of guys in the clubhouse, <clears throat> excuse me, felt that way, you know, and were, were overcome emotionally because it was stone and he, he's just that well liked by the team, which makes it even worse and even harder. Yeah. I mean, this is such a tight knit group that if it would have happened to anybody, it would have felt like that, but that's especially true. a guy that's just getting a chance. Right. I mean, if it were someone else that, you know, for sure, they're going to be a part of the roster next season and they're going to be in the lineup as soon as 
they return, that'd be one thing. But for a guy like Stone Garrett, that's as well-loved as he is, and everyone understands this. They're not naive in the clubhouse. C.J. Abrams knows if something happens to him, he's going to be in the lineup next year when he gets back. Mackenzie Gore, same thing. Like Those guys understand, and they're not idiots in the clubhouse. They look at Stone Garrett, and they cheer for this guy. You know, As much as you, know, you want to get a job and all these things, they love each other in that clubhouse. I think that's pretty obvious. And they understand the opportunity that Stone Garrett was doing. And they're his biggest cheerleaders that he's coming through on a nightly basis. And then to see it all ripped away on really a routine play. It'd be something else too if it were something crazy happened. But this is a guy that's just playing baseball. He goes to make a play on a ball and all of a sudden his leg is broken. Like it's just, it's crazy how all of a sudden one play, one jump, and you land wrong, or you get your cleat stuck in the wall, and all of a sudden, your year's done. Yeah. Uh, the hits just kind of keep on coming for the Nats over over 24 hours between it's over with Strauss, which I think a lot of us were expecting and knew, but it's still kind of kicked to the ribs. And the, the Stone Garrett injury all jam-packed into, what was that? Probably, I don't know, 16 hours, something yeah, like that. Around there, yeah. Um, which is nuts. Uh, on the field, they actually got a huge win on Thursday. And we don't break down individual games all that much, but it's another series win. And it means 9 out of 12 and I think 13 out of 17. Uh, they continue to play pretty good ball. C.J. Abrams, I thought, speaking of C.J., was the story of the series in that in game one, he had the go-ahead homer off the foul pole, Howie Kendrick style. And then in game three to win the series in the rubber match, he went two for five with a another huge home run late. He and Alex Call went back-to-back in a decisive inning. So now you look up and it's 14 home runs for Abrams slugging about 420. He's up almost 10% slugged 324 last year, slugging about 420 this year, OPS up 120 points, you know, from 604 to 721. So really, really good to see the power on the road at Yankee stadium, big stage. And boy, did he admire both of them. The first one, he kind you know, he stood there for a few seconds and watched it and threw the bat. I thought that was awesome. I'm all for celebrating and, and anything, so I love the second one too. But I'm pretty sure he's still standing at home plate and like the Nats have already gotten on the plane. Uh, and he's just still standing there by himself in an empty stadium. I mean, that one was such a long like stare down that uh, of the ball in his dugout, not anybody else. Uh, Davey basically whispered something in his ear. And I would have to imagine he was saying something about CJ standing at home plate. I guess it's possible. I didn't see Davey after the game if he mentioned it or was asked about it. But CJ did have a ground ball earlier in the game that he didn't run out. And to the point where, like, Danny was sitting there going, you know, I wonder if they're going to bench him or do something about that. And Davey also could have just said, way to bounce back. You know, I stuck with you. Way to respond kind of thing. But my guess is he didn't like the way he stood at the plate for a long, long time. I'm really hoping that he whispered in his ear, boy, screw the Yankees. I'm glad you did that. I hate this team so much, man. Back uh, 22 years ago, we were playing them, and he just told a story. I'm hoping that's what he said. But, no, I mean, he probably is saying, like, hey, man, there's a certain line. I think you crossed it, which I think Davey does a pretty good job of that because, like I, like you said, I'm a fan of that sort of stuff, so I like it. But I think that one was a little excessive. So I don't have an issue saying – you know, Let hey, me ask you this, like, because I'm not saying this because it's Abrams who who I dig. I mean, I, I would, I'm pro celebrating pretty much universally across the board. Like, I thought Prince Fielder stomping on home plate and all the Brewers falling over was oh, the greatest awesome. Ellie ever. 
Um, I, I'd like like uh, a bowling bit with your helmet where everyone falls over at home plate. Like, there's nothing you could do to piss me off. Having said that, if if based on the current unwritten rules, so to speak, and what is allowed and what isn't and what is now become okay, the fact that he was looking at his own dugout didn't stare the pitcher down or look to the other dugout, which is kind of the the cardinal sin right now. That that's clean. You're good there. Check. Yep. The problem was how long he was at home plate, and I think. Again, these are weird unwritten rules, which is stupid stupid as it is, but he probably violated that one. I think you get like 1.5 seconds, and it was probably like 1.9. You know what I mean? Like, I think he crossed the threshold. It was obvious enough that when I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, he watched that one. Like, damn, is he well, ever going to run? Okay, finally, he left. You know? Well, when, when Canely, he basically put his head down because he knew it was gone and started walking to the plate, and the umpire threw him the ball, and then he finally looked up. It's like CJ still at home plate. Like what? The hell? Like I think that's what he took exception with. Like, uh, like you said, I think that most people understand that you can do a little bit of celebrating now, and it's not a big deal. But him just standing there for an eternity of watching the ball land, turning around, looking at his dugout, and then reading the paper. Like I think that might have been a little excessive. But I love it. I like, <laughs> we haven't had the Nationals haven't had someone do that. I mean, when was the last time? Like, well, I mean, Soto dropping the bat at first is is past that. Like, sure, on the threshold. So he was the one guy, Soto. though. Honestly, and that's why I loved Soto. There used to be a thing about the Nationals, if you remember. Tim Hudson was famous for calling them out, but a lot of guys did. That was basically like, oh, this team—they don't have stones. They, you know, the idea was like, I don't want to say you could push them around, tough guy style, but like that was always the knock. This was pre the World Series run and, and kind of Max taking over the clubhouse. But I, I say that to say the first time I remember a guy kind of being a jerk and getting under people's skin was Soto. And that's why I loved him so much because he was young and he didn't care and he was great. And you can kick every rock. I don't care if you like me or not. Yeah, like they, they have, to your point, they haven't had a lot of that. And I don't think since he left, they've really, certainly in this era of like bad post-World Series Nationals baseball, there's been nobody like that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like, I feel like Bryce Harper had some of those, or at least people just oh, hated totally. Bryce Harper. Yeah. So th there was Bryce, obviously Soto, and the Soto shuffles now become beloved, but so many people hated that at the start. But the Nationals haven't had that. So the fact that CJ's like, all right, I'll show you my thing. Like, I I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do my thing out here. I'm a little bit cocky. I got some swag. Like, I like that. A add a little bit of swag back to this team. I love it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 
Uh, all right, so C.J. Abrams homers two times. I had to mention that. Uh, real quick on the minor leagues, um, quick uh, breakdown on some of the top prospects. So Dylan Cruz getting bumped up to double A, that Harrisburg lineup as we talked about. Cruz, Hassel, Lipscomb, Wood, House batting one through five. Cruz playing center, Hassel and left. Lipscomb had been all over the infield, but a lot of uh, third and a lot of first. Not third, rather, because House is there, but a lot of uh, second and first. Uh, James Wood playing right, and then House playing third. Uh, we've also seen Lipscomb DH a little bit as well, um, while Tostado played first. But uh, slower start, I would say, for Dylan Cruz. He he was on base four times in his first game. Last couple days have been rough. Sample is uh, still small. When I say rough, he's putting the ball in play a bunch. Had a stolen base today, uh, but he just hadn't gotten hits. So a 125 average over his first three games. Um, I'll tell you who's not hitting at all right now. It's Hassel. Uh, I put out an update on uh, my Twitter at Grant H. Paulson last night, I guess it was, on how some of the top prospects were faring. And on Hassel, I had tallied up the numbers, and he's four for his last 31 at the plate. So now another 0 for 4. So he's four for his last 35 at the plate. He'd really kind of turned it around and hit for some power, but he's really cooled back off. Uh, Lipscomb's still hot, took an 0 for tonight. James Wood had two hits, including a double yesterday, went 0 for 4. Um, he's kind of been fine, but nothing explosive this week. And then Brady House has cooled off a little bit, hitting 310 now in double A. But uh, at the minor league level, I'd say nothing huge to update. I like that Jacob Young hit his first triple A home run. He's the one that got bumped up from double A to make room for Cruz, former Florida Gator, seventh round pick. Not a great prospect, but, you know, hard working baseball rat who's going to be like a fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder for years to come in the major leagues, probably. Um, he, Darren Baker, both went two for four at the top of the Rochester lineup day game on Thursday. One of the, those two guys could end up in the big leagues before the end of the year. I wonder what they're going to do with the Stone Garrett injury. You know, who do you think? Do you go the veteran route and call up one of the outfielders who's like a 4A guy? Or do you do you have Darren Baker, who's been playing a little bit of outfield, mostly an infielder, you know, go up? I know Jeter Downs got the initial call, but I'll be curious to see what they do the rest of the way there. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that they're going to call up an outfielder because otherwise you're rolling with maybe Joey Manessis if he needs to and Jake Alou. Like, I'd rather have a legit outfielder behind those guys that are playing every day. So we'll see what they end up doing. But, you know, at the minor league level, nothing to freak out about. Uh, we'd love to see Hassel be a little bit better. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you can watch Cruz and he might struggle for a little while. And that's fine because he's finally seeing a step up from the yeah. SEC. So I talked to someone with the Nats when he got pulled up and I said, uh, Hey, why'd you guys skip Wilmington with him? And they said, we think he can handle double a. And even though we think he might struggle a little bit with the huge jump, cause it's a massive two level adjustment. They're like, we know he's going to figure it out probably quickly. And we have all the confidence in the world that if he does struggle, it's not going to get to him mentally. Like he's past that. Yeah. So basically they're, they baked in like it might take, you know, a week or two, but he's going to figure it out and he's not going to get down on himself. Uh, Yo-Yo Morales did have a two-hit game, as did uh, Andrew Pinckney and A-plus Wilmington already. So good to see them in their first few games kind of getting their feet wet. Uh, one guy we haven't mentioned on the pod, did we mention Carter Keboom a few days ago, getting called back up and, and hitting his home run? I think I that may have been after did. we last talked. Yeah. Uh, so he had a home run at Yankee Stadium in his first at-bat in two years, game one of the series. Uh, he had two more hits today, so three for his first seven now at the plate, hitting 429. Wouldn't it be cool if he was able – to have a strong finish here. He's only 25. I mean, I, I don't have high hopes or, or big thoughts that he's a fixture moving forward, but sure would be a welcome 
pleasant surprise if Keyboom was able to put together a nice September. That'd be a nice redemption story as well. A guy that was the top prospect that we were all First waiting on. And then it just hasn't been the case. Matter of fact, I saw him play one game in 2019, struggled, and then I was at the next game and he was gone. <laughs> he was sent back down in Milwaukee. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to see it work out because there are still opportunities around the infield. We, I think maybe we did mention it where he could end up platooning with a guy like Luis Garcia at second base or something like that, or he at least gives you some third base until you get Brady House up there, something like that. But he's going to have an opportunity, and it's kind of cool to see him come through, so hopefully he can continue to do, that, to, do, to do that. If he does that for the rest of the year, hopefully you know he can find something, but... It's been cool to see him back at the big league level. It gives you another guy that you're kind of dialed in and see how he does. Yeah, the other thing they could do as I think about it is maybe Jake Alou plays a lot more left field. Uh, you know, Stone Garrett would traditionally play right, but he would play both corners. I mean, you could have Lane Thomas and Alex Call and Jake Alou line up in the outfield for a good chunk of whatever's ahead, too, if they, they didn't want to make necessarily a move where they're bringing someone up to play every day if they don't think there's an outfielder ready, you know, at the minor league level. Um, Last thing we should mention, and then we'll get final thoughts. Mike Rizzo, the, the, we talked on the pod. Uh, it was a big reaction to um, Davey getting his extension. And the big story when we talked a few days ago was that Rizzo was on the verge of his. Well, he hasn't signed it yet. It doesn't seem like it's quite imminent, like a lot of people thought. And now you've got all these rumors after the White Sox. The timing is pretty odd here. He started his career in Chicago with the White Sox. He's from Chicago, has a relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf. They have blown out their president, Kenny Williams, and their general manager, Rick Hahn. It sounds like they want Chris Getz in-house to be the GM, but they're going to go maybe externally, possibly for the president. Could be Dayton Moore. He seems to be the leader in the clubhouse. But did you see the report tonight from uh, John Paul Morosi? Yeah. Of I think he's FSN and MLB Network Radio. But he said, basically, um, there's talk in the industry that Mike Rizzo to the White Sox is definitely a possibility. I just wanted to get your thought on that. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't. I, I kind of had, you know, you've seen various speculation. Obviously, he was on with the junkies here on 106.7, and he kind of poo-pooed some of the stuff with the contract and talked about Davey, but didn't really talk about his own stuff. And then, you know, that obviously starts a lot of speculation. And then you had Barry Sferluga on with you, and you'll hear that interview at the end here. And he kind of was like, oh, I think he ends up back in D.C. So I was kind of like, all right, I can kind of put that to rest. And then John Morosi puts out the idea that maybe he does end up going to the White Sox. So kind of going back and forth. I don't love that. I would love to just know that he's going to be locked in here because we had this discussion on the reaction pod. Like if there was one guy I was going to stand on the table for, I like Davey, but it was going to be Rizzo. So right. I would love to have Rizzo back. But you know, it's also it's super weird, too, odd. I think if you go hire a GM now and you go, your manager's Davey Martinez, like. Yeah, exactly. That's not how it's supposed to work. To me, by getting Davey done, it meant they felt real good that it's going to be a package deal. Because otherwise, why in the heck would you be hiring a GM who you're telling you just gave a two or maybe a three-year deal to a manager? Like, that's weird. Just I just don't too. see it. Go it, ahead, it's, sorry. it's just odd, too, that the reporting with that is they're close and... You don't generally hear they're close and then hear other names of other teams just start popping up. Like, right. I think what changed everything, though, remember when they were close, like the White Sox had not fired everybody yet. Yeah. That happened after. And I think just because it was the White Sox, I think if it was the, 
I'm just picking random teams, but like if the Yankees blew out Cashman and his staff or something, I don't think you would have heard right away like Rizzo, but like he's from Chicago. He worked there. Reinsdorf and his dad worked together for a long time. You, you know, like I think the ties are what made it like some dot connecting and interesting. Um, I just don't see him leaving for there. I think it's a bad job. And maybe I'm overrating how bad of a job it is, but I think it's a bottom well, five job right know, now. Would you really want to leave D.C. where you've set up roots for a place like Chicago where not only did they just clear house, but there's also rumors they might be looking at relocating to Nashville or something like that. Like, I, I don't I kind of agree. I think it ends up being a lot of speculation and worrying. And then he ends up being with the Nationals in the same deal that Davey got essentially two years with a club option. I think that's kind of how it ends. But it doesn't make me super comfortable that you're seeing all these speculation, all these things kind of going around but I just kind of don't see him wanting to go to Chicago with all the uncertainty around the White Sox right now. Agreed. I'll, I'll give you my Jason Bateman from the movie Air. I do not love it. <laughs> I prefer that, yeah, those weren't the rumors. I just think it's a bad big league team. It's a terrible system. You're talking about maybe a three-year teardown rebuild kind of thing, what you just got through doing here. Like, your rebuild still ongoing here is about to bear fruit next year when Cruz and Wood and House and all these guys get to the big leagues and you start spending a little money again. If not this offseason, the offseason after. Like, you're really going to walk after you did the worst part of the marathon. You know what I mean? Like, that's the finish line up there. You're going to peel off and just start running 26 miles again with the White Sox? Just doesn't make sense to me. Now, if they paid them a lot more, if the learners went super cheap, okay, maybe I could be talked into it, but. My guess is they go with Dayton Moore or somebody like that. Rizzo gets a deal done with Davey here, and you know they move forward.